Welcome to The Wall of Soundtrack, a show where we discuss the music and soundtracks behind the very best TV shows and motion pictures. In this episode, we'll be discussing and analyzing the music and soundtrack behind Oliver Stone's epic Vietnam War drama motion picture, Platoon. Before we start this episode, and given the subject matter that we're about to discuss, I'd like to extend a special thank you to our Vietnam veterans and to our men and women in the armed forces. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. We appreciate your service, sacrifice, courage, and commitment to protecting our freedoms and security so we can live in this great country. Once again, thank you for your service. Platoon is a Vietnam War drama film that was written and directed by Oliver Stone and released in 1986. The film is a depiction of some of Oliver Stone's experiences as a U.S. Army infantryman on combat duty in Vietnam. Oliver Stone is represented in the film by the character Chris Taylor, played by Charlie Sheen. Platoon's cast included a group of renowned actors and upcoming stars who played the following characters. Johnny Depp as Lerner, Charlie Sheen as Chris Taylor, Willem Dafoe as Sergeant Elias, Tom Berenger as Staff Sergeant Bob Barnes, John C. McGinley as Sergeant O'Neill, Forrest Whitaker as Big Harold, Kevin Dillon as Bunny, and Keith David as King. The film would go on to win four Academy Awards in 1987 for Best Director, Best Picture, Best Sound, and Best Editing, and had a profound impact on audiences within the U.S. and across the globe with its depiction of the Vietnam veterans' experience, heroism, and the brutalities of war. My returning guest is not only a good friend of mine, but he's a columnist for the entertainment commentary and review website, Action A Go Go. Cy Shackelford is a fan of music, movies, and comic books. You can read his articles on the Action A Go Go website, www.actionagogo.com. You can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Shack underscore house 83. Here's my discussion with Cy on the music and soundtrack behind the Vietnam war drama film, Platoon. Sai, thanks for joining me again. Uh, no doubt, and pleasure to be here, Andrew. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, so what's new with with Action Go Go, man? Um, we're having we're having, we're going to print once again. We're having our magazine printed out, and this time we we're focusing on women in action, like uh, like like for example, Michelle Rodriguez in the Fast and Furious movies. I did a piece on certain female comic book characters, like how some of the human characters are tougher than the the superpowered female characters. Um, and we're also, we're also doing like on the fly YouTube reviews, like me and the managing editor of Action of Gogo, Troy Jeffrey Allen, we saw Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado last night, and he proposed that we just do like, um, after, no fluff included after, after viewing review of the movie, we plan on doing that once we see the film again, because I want to, I want to fill in the blanks for what I missed last night. Yeah, I... I really liked it. I saw it last night as well, and it 
I was not disappointed. It, the continuity was great. A lot of the same characters yes. were in the movie and included, and um, especially that special operative guy that I forget his name, but he was in Burn Notice. That that actor, um, he was the lead in Burn Notice. Burn Notice, but I forget his name. Uh, me too. Me too. Yeah, I'm blanking on it. Yeah. yeah, but great film. Loved it. Uh, lots of action. Lots of suspense. Yeah, they uh, said. I don't want to give any way any spoilers, but they said they said early on that Taylor Sheridan, the writer of the film, he said the sequel is going to make the violence and action in the first film look like a cartoon. And the first 10 minutes of this film, yeah, it lived up to that. Definitely. I mean, lots of lots of action, lots of like whoa moments. Where, yeah, definitely. So uh, and it's great that they brought back the, the writer from the original film. I think it just definitely added a lot of uh, quality to the film. It did. Even if they don't have the same cinematographer or director, it's still, that didn't detract from its quality. And and the cinematography was even great. Like those big wide shots over Mexico with the helicopters, the, the Blackhawks, and then the, con, the, the, the overhead shots of the convoy brought back a lot of that feel, that feel of the first film. As did the music that they used, too, when they did those wide shots. Uh, Johan Johansson, he's dead now, actually. He died recently. Oh, okay. And they have a, a memoriam of for him at the ending credits of the film. Okay. Yeah, he did a, he did a great job on the first film score. Yes, he did. Um, what else, uh, Have you seen... Are you, are you going to go see the new Ant-Man yes, film I, that's coming up? I, I plan on seeing it the next Friday. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. What did you think about that? You think it's going to be good, or I think so, and here's why: because we've had two movies come out from Marvel Studios this year, both of which were ultra mega critical and commercial successes: the Black Panther and Avengers: Infinity War. While Black Panther made a lot of good social points that brought every black person in America to the theater, even those who don't even get down with comics like that, Avengers brought everybody else along with it too, and that was. And that had a lot of serious tones to it, especially with the cliffhanger left at the end. Ant-Man, as they showed in the first film, the first Ant-Man film from 2015, they showed it's a real fun film. And they showed that they slightly don't take themselves that seriously. Maybe not to the extent that Deadpool does, but enough to still remain within continuity and still and still uh, please audiences, you know? I did see that in, a lot, in the previews for the Ant-Man film. That there's a lot more humor... It seems like that they're including in these Marvel movies. I think that's great because it adds a different element to the like the genre and kind of the tone of the film. It does. Like the Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok, that came out last year. Yeah, that one. Up until that one, I wasn't a big fan of Thor. Thor was my least favorite franchise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. But the third one, it had a, it had a big modicum of humor that I think it needed. It took away from the, the more darker tone of the previous two films of the series. Yeah, it gave it the kick in the ass it needed. I thought. Yeah, what did you did you see the preview for the Biggie the Biggie film the Biggie Smalls film that's going to come out the one with Johnny Depp as the lead investigator? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. What do you think about that? I think that looks really interesting. I'm interested in seeing it because as a, as a fan of Johnny Depp, I mean, despite his troubles or despite his like lack of lack lack of success in the movie theaters in the past few years or whatever, he's still a fan favorite to me. So I I think he's going to come with it. Yeah, he usually brings his A games for every A game for every film, and he's. I mean, I love his films as well. I love Blow, 
I Blow's love good. I love Black Mass, Blow, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's super, t- and he's in the and film we're, that we're going to talk, talk about, about today. Yes, yes, yeah, so, or the soundtrack that you know, in, or the film that we're going to talk about today. As is Forrest Whitaker, who's also in the uh, also in this film as mm-hmm. well today. So uh, wow, that's a co- great coincidence. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. And there's been a lot of controversy behind that whole. Uh, that murder of Biggie Smalls, and then the, of course the Tupac, the, the East West feud. And they had um, they had on uh, I forget on which channel exactly, but like a mini series in which uh, Jimmy Simpson he, he plays a lead cop investigating the deaths of both of both Biggie and Pac. I didn't get to see the whole thing though, but I guess they're gonna try it on the big screen now with Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I, I think I'll definitely go out and see it as well. So. I was thinking we could jump into the topic of discussion today, the Let's soundtrack for Platoon. Let's dive right in. Best war movie ever. It, it's definitely up there for me. I mean, uh, has a special place in my heart because um, I remember my father kind of watching, uh, watching the movie with, uh, watching the movie and then hearing the soundtrack that my dad would play a lot, you know, on his mm-hmm. stereos. It just brings back great memories for me. And um, watching, I, I watched, ended up watching the film later on, a few years later, and it was just blown away by this film. I mean, it's just like, they don't pull any punches, it's right in your face. It's almost kind of, I don't want to say it's a guerrilla-like war film, but it almost kind of is, I mean. It is guerrilla warfare, especially the jungle battle scenes and whatnot, and the last scene at the end. It kind of made it unclear, like, who's who's a real enemy out here? Now, you're in the dark, Barnes is out shooting people and whatnot, and he's going to Taylor. Everybody's just frenzied, like bloodthirsty. Yeah, and and th- I, this film I chronicles a lot of the experiences that Oliver Stone had when he, him, him himself, you know, himself, he served in in Vietnam as well. He was he served in the army. He saw he saw combat when he was there. He was an infantryman. He was there, I think, in 1967, uh, and he was, in, you know, pretty put it pretty similar location near near the border of Cambodia yeah he, fighting against the NVA he said that was based on a real battle that he was there for yeah and that I think that lends to the movie's authenticity that gives it its authenticity that it was written and directed by a guy who was actually there and served yeah and it I think for for the younger generations as well it brings uh, it kind of it's 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 a history lesson you know it, it's and uh, captures a lot of the emotion and uh, I guess Motion of the time, the the, um, and the feeling, uh, the feelings that the soldiers had of the war, and and some liked it, some hated it, and wanted to go home. Yeah, I mean, Barnes almost seemed like he liked the war, right? I mean, he was like he wanted to go. He'd been shot six times and had seven, seven times. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> and he had been there for four years at that point. Yeah, they mentioned that in the in the film, if not the book. I got the novelization for it at home. But he just he got injured when he got that eye injury, that facial injury. When he got out of the hospital, he just went right back for another tour. And it's like you must not have anything else to go to. Yeah, he's just like I guess he was. You know, it's that that feeling that veterans get where they want to go back. You know, it's like, like the, the rush, hurt, the like, hurt, like the Hurt Locker, which James Cameron dubbed as this generation's platoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this movie was um, was made in 1986, and uh, Christmas Day of '86. Yeah, what great time, great year because I was born in 1986. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, also a great soundtrack. Uh, the opening title sequence is done. It's a piece by Samuel Barber called Adagio for Strings, and uh, it, it's really emotional. I mean, like, I mean, when you hear this song, they you know a lot, a lot of critics say. 
that it's hard to keep a dry eye when you hear this song because it's so it just evokes a lot of emotion out of out of everybody. It's like the archetype for like like strings like like when you strings and you start crying. It's like that's the first thing people think of when they when they think of like emotional scenes. So let me get my violin and play adagio for strings. Yeah, and in the opening of this movie essentially you have the, the opening title and credit sequence. It's it's a black screen and you see that quote. Uh, it's a uh, rejoice, young man, in thy youth. It's a quote from the Bible. Yeah. Uh, essentially, which means, you know, enjoy enjoy life, enjoy your youth. Especially these soldiers, the protagonists, uh, Chris Taylor, played by Charlie Sheen. Yeah, that who's basically a stand-in for Oliver Stone himself in the film. Chris comes in, they're all wide-eyed, young, idealistic, and because he basically volunteered, he wasn't drafted, but he has no idea what he's getting himself into, because by the end of it, he may have came there as a boy, but he left there as an old man. Yep, and... To give the audience a little bit of context of the scene and what's happening is there's uh, a cargo plane that's pulling up on a, uh, a runway. It's and it's kicking up a lot of dust. And the back of the, the cargo plane opens up. Taylor walks out of the plane with other newly arrived GIs, and a lot of these guys would would be sent back in. You know, be sent into these areas where uh, there were heavy losses. So these guys were essentially, you know, in this scene, Taylor's a replacement. He's yeah. going in to replace. Uh, some of the casualties. So when he's walking out of the the back of the plane, he sees the the casualties. He sees the dead bodies that being carried are, out. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it, that's why I love this film so much because it just hits you so quickly. I mean, they don't even take one one second. I mean, it's like you, you, the movie opens and it's like bam, there you go. Like you, whoa, you see the dead bodies. Yeah, and amidst the backdrop for Adagio for strings, you also see that the soldier is giving him the thousand yard stares. Yeah, that's how traumatized they are. It's like, wow, they must have seen a lot. Yeah, and you, and then you have that cross dolly shot where mm -hmm. Taylor's walking, him and Gardner are walking, uh, walking down the runway, and then you see the veterans. You know, uh, some of them look shell shocked, some of them yeah. look traumatized from the action that they've seen. Yeah, the thousand yard stare, yeah. Yeah, and then that one guy, that one guy, I always remember that line. Too, He's like, "You're gonna love the Nam for fucking ever," you know? <laughs> and it's it's like I always there's so many good there's so many good quotes in this movie or there memorable are. quotes. Very. Um, but this music, yeah, again, and, and it appears in other several other places in the, the latter parts of the film. Yes, it does. It does. Pivotal but, scenes, yeah. But this this piece is like, whenever I hear this piece, I think of this movie. It's, I always associate it with Platoon. And it's funny you mentioned that, what you associate with Platoon, because I saw behind the scenes or a retrospective of Platoon from the, from what's it called? The, uh, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray for it. They had Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Johnny Depp, Willem Dafoe. And Sheen was like, whenever I smoke, I think of Platoon. And that's when they all light up cigarettes, all the ones who were smokers in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if I was in that war, I'd be smoking too. You know, it's so much stress. And yeah. Just having to keep it together. Mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah, then uh, I guess we'll jump to the next the next song here. It's Jefferson Airplane. Uh, the, the song's titled White Rabbit. And uh, I feel like this is almost like the quintessential drug song. Or or Vietnam like sixties you know song. I'm surprised they didn't have any Credence Clearwater songs in here, because what's it called? I mean, most Vietnam movies we've seen like Forrest Gump or or even what's it called? I think Apocalypse Now even they even had a Credence Clearwater song like Green River or something or Fortunate Son. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they left like left one of those songs out because it's that's another staple of Vietnam you know oh, yeah. movies. But um, this is this is another great pick and. Essentially, to give you know some more context to the audience about the scene, um, so they 
Taylor King uh, and I forget the other guy. Lan- is it Lan- the blonde dude? The blonde guy, yeah, Crawford. Is- Crawford, played yeah. by Chris Peterson. Yep, they are they are issued latrine uh, duty. <laughs> latrine duty. Yeah. So they uh, they essentially have to go clean the toilets mm-hmm. and, and bury and bury shit all day long. Basically, or light it, I think they light it on, light fire, on fire with kerosene or something. But yeah. uh, they're all. They're all bitching about it and philosophizing it, or, or philosophizing as well. Yeah, talking about like what led them to Vietnam and how many days they got left. Yeah. What they plan on doing, this wishful thinking. And King, when he learns why Taylor is there, how he volunteered, he kind of makes fun of him saying, oh, you a crusader, huh? Yeah. And then um, they, you know, King kind of introduces him to the... The heads. The heads, yeah. Basically, Sergeant Elias, uh, played by Willem Dafoe, that's his squad mostly. They're the ones that actually unwind by listening to music do drugs drink just have a good time with each other yeah and and i love that shot there's like a sunset shot where you see the uh, outline of taylor yeah. and 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 he's smoking that joint and it it's just like it fits so perfectly with the song because the does. song is about drug use and yeah. like and that's what they all when they go down in that foxhole that foxhole a bunker and whatnot. Yeah. And they got decorations in there with the with the song playing. And they're all stoned. And here's another thing about that scene, too. Willem Dafoe said that, what's it called? They actually, all the men in that scene, they really did get high right before it, right? To get in the character. Yeah, keeping but, it authentic, right? <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. They took so long in getting the scene, the stage ready, the setup ready, that by the time they were ready, the high had worn off. And they were all tired as hell. <laughs> didn't even feel like doing it no more. Surprised they got it. They got that scene shot. It looked like they still did a really, really good job despite the the lack of the high or the high wearing off. You know. And it's Chris's like introduction to like what's it called? Like he got his mind freed in a way. Like when he took that, when he took that 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 the hit. When yeah. Elias blew the smoke in the shotgun, the shot, he was shotgunning the uh, yeah the the, the, the the marijuana. Yeah. And then I was like, yo, and a sheen probably. <laughs> And Sheen, that's probably no, no stranger to him, too, considering his known drug use. Yeah, he's a, he's a wild man. And that, that term, shotgunning, made sense to me. I never, like, understood it until, like, it, or at least it gave me a little bit more context of what that meant when I saw that scene. And he actually, like, pulls out the shotgun and, like, oh, yeah. and blows the, uh, the, the smoke down the, the, the barrel. Like when Chappelle did it in Chappelle show with that baby, with, like, the old dweeds. Shotgun, little buddy! <sighs> <laughs> Gotta love Chappelle, right? No doubt. Um, and so in this, uh, you know, they, they go down to to the bunker, and we start to learn for uh, in in Vietnam there was heavy drug use, and oh, yes. this was a coping mechanism because of the horrors that a lot of the GIs would would witness, and and, and you know, it kind of kept them sane at the same time, kept them from going nuts, and you know killing innocent people so like you see that frequently throughout the film really like even the soldiers in the platoon the titular platoon you see them taking heroin off the dead bodies of the Viet Cong and smoking joints throughout the film even when they're out there in the field and what else was it and then that's that contrast to the other half of the platoon that doesn't even get down with drug use or anything it's like a mixed bag of like white rednecks and black black uh, black men from small southern towns yeah, you you can see the division between the 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 platoon there because there's the uh, division of GIs uh, in the platoon that don't consume drugs, don't do and drugs. then there's the then there's the the heads, which is another yeah. another uh, group of the platoon that do. So it's kind of 
I don't want to say it's conservative versus, you know, a, a conservative and a liberal side, but I mean, I guess you can kind of look at it in that, especially con- with, that way. Especially with the song that was playing in the background where the other half, where Barnes, his, his half of the group is introduced, how they get down at him with some R&R. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when they go down, to, you know, to get back to that scene we were talking about, when they go down to the, to the bunker, you hear that song, Jefferson Airplane, White, White, uh, White, White Rabbit. Rabbit, and then yeah. it transitions to the uh, the next song, which is Smokey Rob, which is Smokey Robinson. Um, called, I think the song is called Track Tracks of My Tears. Yes, and um, after Taylor's been like fully indoctrinated into the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a member of he's a member of the Heads, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, everyone's having a good time. They're 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 dancing. They're, they're unwinding. Yeah, yeah, unwinding. And um, I was listening to the behind the scenes. Uh, the behind the scenes part or like um, function or like, you know, the behind the scenes option for the platoon DVD and Oliver Stone was talking about a lot. He discovered a lot of music when he was in Vietnam. He discovered a lot of Motown, a lot of like blues, a lot of uh, he discovered the doors in Vietnam. Like, so they would just go down to these, go down to the bunker and listen to a lot of, of music and you would think that he would already been exposed to that considering he he's a New York City guy, which is a melting pot of the world. Well, actually, he was raised between New York and Connecticut, so it was kind of... I guess he didn't kind of get as much exposure as I would have imagined. Yeah. Until Nam. And then, and then of course, he would go on to make, you know, a, a Doors movie. Oh, yeah, he did, on yeah. Road. That, and... Uh, that movie, I'll tell you what, will make you not want to want to be a drug, take drugs. No, I had no, nightmares no. after seeing that movie. Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I remember that movie vividly. Yeah. So um, this song, uh, when you hear it, the 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 lyrics are um, lyrics. You know, are I believe you know Smokey Robinson did this song, and I believe he was probably writing about uh, a breakup. A breakup. Yeah. You know, I need you, need you outside. I'm masquerading. Those are some of the lyrics. Inside, my hope is failing. Just a clown. Oh yeah. Um, but so, it kind, but it kind of like it tested like the newfound bond that Chris now has with this group too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then uh, <laughs> to go back to the to the scene again, you have a transition to uh, the other side of the platoon, which is a little bit more conservative, and is listening to a country music song by Merle Haggard called. Ogie from Muskogee and the first like the first part of the song we hear is we don't smoke marijuana (laughs) so you get like both extremes right I think it's I kind of think it's a little bit of humor that that Stone put in there I mean I don't I always laugh when I hear it I mean it's probably true like what there may have been one group over there that was playing that song as a way of just demonstrating that they're not going to get down with the other group that that does drugs and drinks in order to cope yeah and uh, that scene is when Bunny is talking to uh, Junior. Junior. What the hell is everybody, man? They're getting high. That's what. Yeah, and I gotta love Kevin Dillon, man. He's just like, and yeah, I always think of Johnny Drama, Drama yeah, or Entourage, you know, some role he's most known for. Yeah, looking at him in Platoon, he's like, you were a nineteen-year-old kid back then. Yeah, and and he's like this Irish, like you know, twenty-something-year-old, or probably not even. I don't know, like. 19 maybe I don't and they don't tell him where he's from either it's like a lot of them they didn't give much background on them even in the book yeah like like Bunny he's he's a stone cold killer though yeah he's he's welding that that shotgun and oh yeah he's surgical with a shotgun and he's like one of the ones that we said how how he was how they were affected by Nam like how some people didn't like it some people wanted to go home but Bunny he liked it there 
Yeah, and you see that later in the film. He has a... Uh, where he admits it. Where he talks to Junior. He has a little monologue there where he talks about how, you know, nobody messes with him in Vietnam. And right, yeah. He's not afraid of dying because, you know, hey, man, you don't feel it anyways. I bet you wasn't thinking that when he actually did get killed. Yeah, he gets it in the end of the movie. I'll tell you what. I was like, whoa. Uh-huh, yeah, but he was <laughs> he was fighting right before that in the foxhole with a shotgun, shooting at people, making explosions. Like, yo, you need, you crazy, but I need you on my team. Yeah, and, and the thing that's really what well, the thing I really love about this movie—not to go on a, a, a tangent here—but is the three dimension three dimensionality of the characters. Um, you know, Bunny's—he's a—he's a warrier, but he—he—you see him just do awful things. I mean, you see him kill that innocent uh, villager. Yeah, and he's just a, a shot that pig. Yeah, yeah, he shoots the pig. You know. And then the you know Junior he's he's a warrior too but you he know he's a warrior he a coward he, he, I I don't well maybe that yeah maybe I mean you just see you see him talk about um, I think it's a scene where they're talking about um, it's with like it's with Junior and what for Force Big Harold yeah Big Harold Sar- big, Sergeant Warren yeah yeah they're all talking about um how things are getting out of hand it's after the village right right it's it's after the village uh massacre and he's like things are getting just so out of hand man i don't i don't know but he's like there's no christian like cutting off heads and stuff you know he's like it's getting totally out of hand and i says like here's the thing is right before then he was part of the group that was trying to rape some vietnamese girls like yeah talking about out of hand yeah it's like there's that three-dimensionality factor Mm -hmm. right like he he's saying that like Things are getting out of hand, but then he's doing, you know, he's doing these like he's raping, you know, yeah. the, the you know, one of the young girls yeah, he, in the not, village. He's, like he's oblivious to how how much of a hypocrite he is, but that's part of being a human being too. That three dimensionality. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, this song, oh, you know, Merle Haggard, o- Ogie from Muskogee, definitely a song about uh, or a critique on. You know, hippies and beatniks and drug use. Hippie culture, yeah. Even the style of dress and their hairstyle, yeah. Yeah, the the, the lyrics, we don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. We don't take our trips, trips on, on LSD. LSD. We don't bomb our draft cards down on Main Street. We are living right. We are being, or we are, are being free. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it fits well with, with uh, Bunny's character and Barnes. They're kind of like... I mean, they they drink, but they don't they don't do drugs. They don't do drugs, nothing like that. Yeah, Barnes in the book and in the deleted scenes, he's from Hill Country in Tennessee, which kind of fits him. Did fits you with the song? Did you ever see the movie Heaven and Earth with yeah, Oliver? The third Stone? Oliver Stone. I always one. wonder if Barnes' character is based on that character, like Tommy Lee Jones' character in um, Heaven and Earth, like, or if there's some sort of like resemblance because Oliver Stone was saying that. Uh, Barnes, the real Barnes, I guess, married a Japanese girl. Mm. And then he went back to, he had been injured. He was shot in the head and then went back to Nam. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. They included something like that in the book. Yeah. Like a variation of that story. And, and also Stone, he did say that, what's it called? The, the guy, the, the real Sergeant O'Neill and that, that he knew in his platoon, he was really that brutal to him, like making him do latrine duty and that kind of stuff. He said, Sergeant O'Neill hated me for some reason. Yeah, played by John C. McGinley. He's such a jerk. You know, you <laughs> he, just like throughout the whole movie, you just hate this guy. A jerk and a coward, but he gets what he deserves at the end. Yeah, he thinks he's going to get out, and then he ends up taking. You uh, should have said you were injured. Don't say you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dale Die coming up. He's like, that's great because you, you have got third second pl- platoon. Yeah, you got second platoon. Yes, sir. 
You just see the look of t- of, of terror on his face. So you like, got Barnes job. You staying in Nam? Yeah, yeah. So then, um, so then we'll transition to the next song here, or n- not song, but next piece. Um, this is the village. I believe it's the village massacre. Um, yeah, when they burn the village, right when that starts. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So Adagio for strings is played again by Samuel Barber, and and at this point the platoon is really split right down the middle because of Barnes's actions. And this this scene actions. this scene really mimicked the Miley massacre, which happened, uh, which was uh, an, uh, the actual massacre. It was that actual massacre which happened in Vietnam, uh, where a lot of innocent Viet- Vietnamese villagers were were executed by by uh, yeah, U- with, they U.S. Thought, military. Yeah, they thought they were hiding some of the rebels in there, but they had no proof of it beyond like what all the food that they had. And in the in the behind the scenes uh, in the hi- behind the scenes portion of platoon, Stone talks about this where this was a, a common frustration uh, that they would experience with the the villagers because you know they wanted to to treat them well, but then they would find out that they were supporting the or the the NVA and harboring you know weapons and food for them. Yeah. So they would just get frustrated, and you know they lost some of their men too. So they want to take it out on somebody. Yeah, I mean they and get, to give some more context for the audience here, the before this scene, uh, Manny, who is on uh, flank patrol for for the platoon, gets captured by it must have been Viet Cong. Yeah, and they essentially, uh, you know, I think peg him. They 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 kill him, but they they you know, cut his throat and leave him. They basically leave him on display. Yeah, and before that, and before that, they were on patrol, and they found like a like a Vietnamese bunker, and and two of the soldiers, uh, Sanderson, played by J. Adam Glover, and Sal, played by uh, Richard Edson, yeah, both of them get blown up, and Sanderson's arms are blown off, and you see him just limping out, like like hobbling out of the platoon right before he falls over dead with no arms. Yeah, that scene is extremely disturbing. I remember seeing that. I was like, whoa, you know. And again, like I said, this movie just hits you, you know, uh, with the gore and violence of the, 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 the Vietnamese war. And it also kind of introduces you to the fact that there were booby traps as well. Um, and I think that's pretty similar to what, you know, you see in, 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 you would see in like Iraq with the IEDs going off and, and, you know, even booby traps. When Marines would go into to buildings in Fallujah, they would have to check for you know booby traps. Sometimes there'd be trip wires, and you know, and check from a distance as well too to see if anybody is setting something off that the person inside the building can't see. Yeah. So, yeah, you really see Barnes's rage. You know, you see that he's affected by these these losses, losing his troops. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And then Sheen or Chris Taylor walks up and he sees him. So, you know, transit, you know, moving back to the scene that we were talking about in the village, there's a lot of rage building up. There is a ton of rage building up. Even the protagonist, Chris, I mean, it overtakes him temporarily, too. Yeah, you see him start shooting at the uh, the one. Dance, motherfucker! Yeah, he just loses it. And then Bunny kills that. Just beats him to death with the the, the butt of the shotgun. shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa. And even O'Neill, who was a sergeant in charge right at the moment, right in that scene, he was like, Bunny, we leave right now. Nobody saw a fucking thing. Yeah, I like, just see the lack of leadership from O'Neill. O'Neill, yeah. I was like, how did you ever make sergeant, by the way? I mean, I, shoot, the lieutenant, he's had the least – he's the one officer in the platoon who's had the least time. And he's an experience and kind of a coward as well, too, based on what we've seen. But I'm like, O'Neill, you should just said something right there. Stop your men from killing a dude. Yeah, just step up and mm-hmm. just pull them out of there. But 
you just see the lack of leadership and you know O'Neill's a coward and and yeah. he's he's just morally uh inept morally yeah. inept yeah he yeah. he sucks up to Barnes every chance he gets yep and then you see them blowing up the uh, blowing up the, the the weapons in place and then you see the execution of that that one lady one lady that Barnes the, the lady just kept she just annoyed Barnes she, she, she that's why he shot her yeah he just shoots her in the head and that scene where you're just like that you're just like what just happened? Even, like even Johnny Depp's character, when she falls right in front of him dead, even he looks at her. It's like it's like he wasn't even expecting it. Like, like it just came. Like it was almost ad libbed. Yeah, you just feel the air kind of come out of the. If you're watching a movie, I, I, I remember watching it with friends, and you just feel the air kind of be sucked out of the room after yeah. that scene. You're like, what? What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, and then Elias shows up. Oh yeah, he was he was left behind at one point to to guard the the perimeter, the bunker where they were at. Yes, yeah, so it was like. And you really thought Barnes was going to kill the girl's daughter next, the little girl that keeps crying over her dead mother's body? thought Barnes was like, I cock her down! I cock her down, VC! And then you hear Elias with Barnes and Crawford walking behind him. It's like, okay, Elias, he's going to do something about yeah. this. Now, he's it, now it's going down. Yeah. You know, now it's going down. Like, you ain't the firing squad, you piece of shit! Yeah, that, that, and then they end up, you know, brawling, and you see... The, it's great, great cinematography because when they're fighting, they're kind of fighting in the dust, and you see the two divisions of the platoon. Yeah, one side sides with Barnes, and the other side is with Elias. Yeah, and each side, members on each side are instigating. They're kind of like kick his ass, Elias, kick his ass, Barnes, and others are really trying to stop it and keep order. And then the uh, the loser lieutenant steps yeah. in, and he's like, you know, finally starts to show some uh, leadership. But here's the thing: it wasn't even leadership. He says, "Captain says the torture place you hear." Oh, the captain says, "Not you." Yeah, but but you hear you hear Elias call him out, Lieutenant. Why the fuck did you do something? What are you talking about? He's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Elias. It's like I'm like you coward. Yeah, that part where you know I guess uh, retribution it comes later when he when he gets it. But uh... yeah, my dad told me my dad and my uncle they were both in the army at the time. And my uncle he was in Vietnam. He, told, he made it the staff sergeant in his platoon, and he told me that it was common practice back then that they take some some greenhorn lieutenant out of West Point Academy who never had no field experience, just send a lieutenant out to Vietnam to sp- give the platoon proper supervision. They, they said they do that frequently and led to a lot of mismanagement. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate, you know, and, and the, the, you see that kind of struggle in, in the film where... Barnes in Barnes and the lieutenant are kind of struggling to of who manages the platoon. I mean, traditionally, it you know the cap or I'm the sorry, lieutenant. the, the lieutenant's in charge of the platoon, but the the sergeants usually run the the operations side of it. But in this case, what's it called? The sergeants O'Neill, Warren, Elias, and Barnes. They got more experience than the lieutenant does, so people yeah. look to them. And I, uh, one question for me, and I always wondered it was was Barnes like higher rank? sergeant than Elias or yeah technically yes I mean they're all they're all NCOs I mean Barnes he's a staff sergeant so his pay grade is above Elias Warren and O'Neill who are all buck sergeants okay. if you look at the film the three of them they just got like three stripes in their uniform for sergeant while Barnes he's got the staff sergeant three stripes and a U on his uniform okay okay great yeah I, I was always wondering yeah and then uh so you hear the adagio for for strings piece again while they're leaving they're kind of hurting the villagers out and you have that big wide famous shot Mm -hmm. 
uh, of the whole entire village pretty much on fire. While the platoon men are marching on like a single file line and the kids are on their shoulders. Yeah, and, and, and you see the one part that also stuck out to me is, is um, Bunny was taking pictures. <laughs> like it was a, yeah. like this was like a, a tourist visit or something, you know, which I thought was kind of kind of messed up. Yeah, it's like this is sociopath, yeah. He's like, look at this, you know. It's like, why would you take a picture, man? And I think you're right. I think he's a sociopath. But um, but that piece, I think, hit a lot of people. It hit me when I saw it. It's very emotional. You're seeing, uh, you know, them hurting the villagers out, almost like they're animals. Basically, yeah. It's like, where are you going to send them now, basically? You just burn their home? Yeah. And kill their the animals? They're farmers, dude. They're not... You got no proof they're harboring nobody. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they... Uh, all they had were were the guns, but the guns and the and the, and the food, but the rice, yeah. You just never know, though, right? It's like it, it, they maybe maybe they were forced they to were storm, and, and they, storm, they yeah, didn't want to be allegiant to the NVA, you know? Right, yeah. So it, it's nothing's you know black or black or white, right? It's it's it's, it's complicated. Gray. It's very gray area. The <laughs> very whole. gray. Yeah, I agree. So the next song or the next the next uh, piece here is. Uh, composed by the actual the soundtrack composer uh, Georges Zellerou, and uh, he's a French composer. And this is the scene where Barnes shoots Elias, and oh, yeah. probably of... one of the biggest scenes in the entire movie. It was very tense. It was very tense. You knew it was going to come to this after the village massacre, and the way Barnes and Elias have presented themselves in front of the captain about the events. And how the captain promised that if he finds out that there really was a killing, that there would be a court martial. And Barnes knows that was going. He'd be in trouble for that. So the only way to keep that from happening yeah. is to get rid of his lead accuser. And Barnes is a military man. You know, he he, yeah. he cares about rank. He cares about his career. So you can you see that 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 see that point in the scene where he's having a cigarette and uh, Bunny and um, O'Neill O'Neill start talking. He's like, "So what are you gonna what are you gonna do about this, Barnes?" And he's sitting there having a cigarette, and you know, he's 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 thinking about it. He's like, he's kind of working it through his mind. And yeah, what's going on? And it's top, it capped off with O'Neill. I mean, uh, Bunny saying somebody ought to frag Elias, and Barnes probably thinking, "Well, that's not a bad idea." Exactly. And fragging was a practice that you know was often. It often happened in Vietnam where if there were disagreements within the platoon, uh, they would often take out the lieutenant. There would be friendly fire, and they would end up taking out one of their own. like On purpose. Yeah, on purpose. Make it, make it look like it was friendly fire. Yeah, Yeah, because friendly fire was something that happened quite frequently in Vietnam. And you see that in that first scene, uh, that first ambush scene in the, in the movie where O'Neill throws that grenade and Tex is hit by... Yeah, and his hand is blown off. Yeah, yeah. Texas hit, and then then uh, Taylor's hit as well. He has a little flesh wound, you know, on his neck. Right. But that all happened because grenade or um, grenades are shrapnel. And yeah. O'Neill, he just like he wasn't he just even, threw it. He just, just threw it. It's like Cowley just threw it just to get rid of it. Not even, he was aiming at nobody at all. He, yeah, just another reason to hate his character. Right? Oh yeah, like, you know. But um, yeah, so I guess that's a little bit of context behind the fragging portion, and that happened, and that's why I think this this movie's so great because. It captures like a lot of historical accuracies. Yeah, a lot of like it's just very, it's so real. It just hits you, you know. It does. Um, so yeah, and then we we transition to one of the the most famous scenes in in the movie. Oh yeah, Elias's death. So they're pulling out of that that uh, that church area, I guess, where they get they got ambushed. Yeah, the dust off point. Yeah, where they're gonna take off. They got mostly everybody, the dead bodies and the injured people out. 
But then when they're high up in the air, Taylor, he catches a glimpse of Elias running and yells out, they got Elias! Yeah. And Lieutenant's like, what? Get back down there. And Barnes is like, what? I thought I killed him. Yeah. And um, I probably should have provided a little bit more detail of that, that, that scene where... Yeah, before that, when Barnes shoots Elias, yeah, we figured that... We figured that Elias was dead and that we took Barnes' word for it when he ran into Taylor a few miles up in the jungle. Taylor's like, Taylor's like, wait a minute, Elias is dead? Yeah, he's dead a few clicks up north. He's dead. Now get over it. Let's go. Yeah. And, and when, he, uh, when, he, when he shoots, uh, when Barnes shoots Elias, you hear that piece by, by Georges Delarue. It's that kind of like Japanese sounding piece where... It kind of fits the jungle. It fits the sweat and the heat of the jungle and the intensity of it. Yeah, perfectly. it's like you hear like a... It's, I guess it's like a flute. It's like, some sort of... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's like that, that instrumental. And it adds like so, so much suspense to that scene. And you see... Barnes, like they they close up on Barnes's eyes, yeah, and then you see Elias's reaction, and and when he realizes what's going to happen, he realizes that Barnes is going to take him out, yeah, and and I don't think we we knew that initially. Go, I mean, you knew that Barnes was going to handle it somehow, but you didn't think he was going to kill him, right? Right. When when you think he's about to lower his weapon, when he sees Elias get the friendly smile, yeah, it's like, oh my goodness, Elias, get out of there, get out of there, he's going to shoot you, dude. Yeah, and sure enough, he does like three times, three times, and and then. And then we go back to the scene that we were talking about with the adagio for strings portion, the yeah. most famous scene where it's an overhead shot, uh, and we see the uh, Viet Cong chasing Elias after he's been shot three times, and he, we find out that he has not died. He has not died. He's still running away, but he's still getting shot to shit, and it's in slow motion. The, the strings are playing in the background, and the helicopter, his, his unit's helicopter is trying to take out whoever they can on the ground, but it's not working. As Elias, he's over... He's outnumbered. Yeah, and they're trying to provide cover fire from from the, uh, the from the air. Yeah, yeah, and then you you hear the lieutenant goes uh, back down, back down, back down, down there. Yeah, and then you There's see one left in the deck. Yeah, and then you see him like you know fall to his knees, and it's that famous shot, which is which eventually became the poster of the yeah. film. For the he film, put, puts his hands in the air like like a Christ like figure. Yeah, before he falls to the ground dead, and the helicopter takes off, and you hear the adagio. Uh, the adagio piece playing in the background which adds so much uh, emotion and that's what got the film the best picture oscar right there yeah that scene and then you see that which i think is it's kind of an odd shot but it it works so well is is that drooping palm tree like mm-hmm. the 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 palm tree with the leaves kind of drooped over it kind oh, yeah. of symbolizing the, the death oh yeah it does yeah that's a good point andrew it does and that always hit me like so much. It was a kind of I thought it was so out of place, but then I kind of looked at it a little bit deep deeper, and I was like, "Whoa, that's that's good. That's good. That's a good visual imagery right there." It is, and, and uh, I guess kind of gives gives a lot of uh, kudos to the uh, director of photography, Bob Richardson, which right. had he had done a bunch of different films with with Oliver Stone, uh, JFK. He had done um, Wall Street, and uh, yeah, they worked together worked together quite frequently, but. And in the same scene too, when the adagio for strings is dying out, you see like Taylor. They they make eye look, contact. He looks at Barnes. He looks at Barnes, pissed off, like you lied to me and you don't want to try, try to shoot him. And Barnes, he looks right back at him and knows. Then then just to- turns back to go back to his business, like like all casually and whatnot. It's like like you motherfucker. I hope you get got. Yeah, Barnes is a is a total psycho, and that scar that he has just creeps me out every single time. I mean, you got to give props to the movie too, because it was what made in 1986. The makeup was incredible. Oh on yeah, Barnes. That scar looked real. 
Yeah, it looks so real, and just you just know that that Barnes is a total psycho. Oh yes, yes he did, and they also. And they, like we said, they use Adagio for strings in this scene as well. But the the next time they use it is in like the final scene and the ending credits as well too, after after the final battle, which was very wow. I used to on a side note when I was a kid, when this movie used to come on HBO when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for the final battle. I used to be down in my parents' basement, no one around. I'm like, okay, just pantomiming, having a toy gun, pantomiming all the battle scenes in there, and yelling out. My parents are like, what are you doing downstairs? Like interrupting me now, I can't get back into it. That scene is so intense, and you feel the you feel the suspense and the build up. There's that scene where I believe it's Dale Die who's the uh, captain. Yeah, and he's on the radio, and you, you know that the ambush team had gone out before to try to see to try to find that NVA regiment, yeah. and that you hear him on the radio, and you just if you, you know can't talk, son. If you can't talk, son, try to. Try to press a button. Try to hear me. Yeah, and uh, you just hear that they're they're being overrun. They're just be t- being taken out. So you know, you know that they're coming, they're like coming, in full yeah. force. They're on their way. And I was listening to the behind the scenes like commentary from Oliver Stone, and he he thought he was like, I I don't think I did a really good job here. He's like because I wanted this scene to be scarier with the lighting. He wanted it to be dark. Yeah. But he's like, we just ran out of time, so we had to shoot this scene. I was I remember when I watched the scene for the first time, it scared me. I was like, whoa, like this is like you just hear him, you hear the the uh, radio. Uh, the sounds of the gunshots on the ra- over the radio, and you know that they're they're dead. They've been taken out. Like the the GIs are 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 dead. The only part of that whole scene, the whole battle scene, that scared me was what's it called when um when Taylor and Barnes encounter each other, and what's it called? Uh, Barnes knocks Taylor down. It's like he's about to hit him with the, with axe. the shovel. Yeah, yeah, and Taylor's like no. And you see like the red like the, the red, red in his Barnes' eyes. eyes yeah. yeah. And the air and the airstrike coming up above, and it like the light kind of shines off a of tailor a little bit as he's like screaming no. Yeah, it's like what the hell is Barnes gonna do it? And the bombs happen, and everything just goes white. Yeah, that F four Phantom comes in and just lays all the bombs down on their position. Oh yeah, Captain Harris, they'll die. He called for that. It's like they're all in the area. The only way to get them is to take us all out. That that radio conversation with the pilot always gets me. He's like, for the record, it's, it's my call. call. He's like, Expend drop all remaining in my perimeter. It's, it's a lovely, lovely fucking war. war. Bravo six out. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the what is one of the more, more memorable, memorable lines. lines yeah. too, with Dale Die. He's like, like lovely, lovely fucking, fucking war. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and when he punks the lieutenant, too, is like, like what's it called? Be advised, we've got. We've got zips all in the perimeter. You will hold in place and you will fight. That he, means you, Lieutenant. Bravo yeah. six out. And he's like, he's like, God damn it, Lieutenant. There's nowhere to pull back to. <laughs> <laughs> we got zips all in the perimeter. <laughs> That's why Dale Dye is like, he was just a great technical advisor for the film. And actually, you know, a great, a great actor too in the film. But uh, I think he brings a lot to it. I mean, he was... He was he a had, military guy. He was an outbreak as well too, where he kept getting chewed up by Donald Sutherland's character. Yeah, and he was a Marine. He served in Vietnam, so mm-hmm. I think it just brings a lot to the film and made another reason why it was so great. Yeah, they needed a good technical advisor on screen. Stone is one thing with his experience, but somebody who was still, I guess, in the Army or military at the time, that helped. I thought it was kind of funny, and maybe it was <laughs> the irony. His name is Dale Dye, and his hair is dyed brown. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. He's like a whitish blonde in real life. Yeah, know? yeah. I don't know if – I always whenever I see that guy, I mean, I feel like he's always had gray hair, but I know he's not had gray hair for, not, like, all for of his time. life. But whenever you see him in a movie, it's like 
It's always gray hair, so. Yeah, it's like the irony of having the last name die. Yeah, yeah they'll die. But, uh, yeah, man, this the, that 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 final scene where they're, you know, you see the aftermath of that battle and, and Taylor's lying in the grass. And then, you he's, know. He's injured. When he wakes up, something's up with his stomach, the way he keeps leaping. He, he keeps like limping around and whatnot. Yeah. Holding himself, like having one arm to his side. Yeah. And then you see when he sees when he's among all those dead bodies, you see one dead body crawling, but he doesn't he disregards it, just goes and gets a gun, looks around and he sees one thing that's like, Okay, okay, you got my attention. Yeah, he's got a vendetta. You know, he's gotta make this right. The yeah. whole Elias killing, he's gotta everything else that he did during the platoon during the time, yeah. Yeah, so it, it and Barnes, his arrogant. They're playing the song again, the the George Delarue song. Yeah, the Jap like the Japanese kind of piece. Yeah, uh, is playing because you don't you don't know it's going to happen. You 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 don't know pointing, what's... He's pointing the AK at him, but you don't know if he's actually just going to kind of help him out and be like. I, I, after what Barnes said when he turned over and sees Taylor, like he, the first thing he says, he just arrogantly tells him, "Give me a, a medic. medic." Yeah, and it's like gone, boy. I'm like, okay. I'm like Taylor killed him for being so arrogant. Yeah, well, he like in the scene before Barnes tried to like kill him. Yeah, he did. That's true. That's true too. Yeah, like you. And he he said like that didn't happen just a few hours ago. Yeah. So like, so Taylor's like, "F this guy!" Like, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him out, and he does. And uh, I guess it's a lot of, uh, I guess a lot of responsibility to have for Taylor, you know, having that on, on his conscience, you know, murdering one of his own. He fried the staff sergeant. Yeah. I mean, no one saw, luckily, but yeah, that's a lot of a lot to have on your conscience, but. I guess an eye for an eye. An right? eye for an eye. I guess. And Taylor. It's not like Taylor hasn't killed before. Just not one of his own. One of his own squad. Yeah. In the same scene, they show like who's left in the platoon after that. They show O'Neill. He hid under a body the entire night in a foxhole. He's like, "You all right, man? Yeah. A bunch of fucking faggots. They all left me." <laughs> and yeah. Francis, he stabbed himself just to get out of there. That was just smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I felt about that. I mean, I guess he, he I mean, he wasn't, um, you know, he, he, he helped he helped Taylor. I mean, he helped Taylor. He showed that he can fight, yeah, but at the same time, I get why he would want out of there. After that experience, I mean, yeah. who wants to... Who wants to we'll stay around, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Taylor's pulled out of there. The uh, the APC pulls up with the, the Nazi memorabilia. Yeah, what is what, what was that, by the way? I don't get why American soldiers would even have that on there for. So I was listening to the behind-the-scenes commentary with Oliver Stone. He was saying quite frequently that those APC units mm-hmm. uh, carried Nazi memorabilia. I don't know why they did, yeah. but uh, maybe it was some sort of... Sh- uh, I don't even want to say it's shtick, Shut- but... It's because some sort of some sort of uh, I don't know inside inside joke I guess joke I guess I don't I don't I don't really get it but um, anyways the uh, yeah you see the the APC pull up and then you see uh, these guys taking kind of taking items off the dead Viet Cong, or dead NBA and cutting ears off cutting ears off and, and and scalping and that kind of that kind of stuff and Ra uh, played by the late Francesco Quinn. Yeah, when he when he's looking around, he goes with the one Vietnamese. He just opens his pocket, finds some heroin, and gets a big smile on his face. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd be wanting heroin, heroin too after that after yeah. that battle. Especially if you're if you're a soldier who's been injured. Yeah, yeah. And then then they walk up to Taylor, who's sitting on a log, and he's actually holding a grenade. Yeah, that... which I didn't realize in, in the you know first time I watched it, but uh, I guess there was some improvisation there um, on Sheen's part. Yeah, and. You know him probably wanting to to kill himself after he 
killed uh, Barnes, Barnes. Yeah. Because of the kind of the weight of that decision, right? Yeah. You know, the is. weight of having a murder on your it was in conscience. It was improv, yeah. And but Stone liked it so much he decided to keep it in the script. And check this out in a deleted scene. Well, I mean, not a deleted scene, but more like a an extra, I guess, alternate version. Taylor doesn't kill Barnes in an alternate version; just leaves him there, just begging to be begging to be killed. And Barnes is screaming, calling him a coward. You can't do it. Come back, come back. It's like you want to die, don't you? Wow, I didn't know that they actually had that him not dying in the uh, the alternate for deleted scene. Yeah, they had alternate take for it. It was in the um, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray. Okay, so we see Taylor being after that. We see Taylor being put on a stretcher. He's been given morphine. He's and just out of it. He's out of it. Yeah, but he gets to go home because he's been injured twice, as Francis points out to him. Yeah, and then Adagio is again playing in the background. You see Dale die looking at some of those those impact craters from the airstrike and he's really he's really torn up by it and and what's it called they they said stone said that what's it called that dale die when when that scene was filming die which is reminiscing about what he saw during war but i took it as like what's it called him looking around thinking to himself these men are all my sons and i failed them yeah i mean that was a tough call to make having a uh, calling an airstrike on your own guys essentially but I guess he had to do it because they were. It was either it was, you know, them or us, right? So, Pretty much, yeah. But so, they got they got all of them though. Yeah. So, you know, you see Taylor being escorted. It's just a, a real emotional scene, and it, I mean, I will admit this. I, it's a tough scene for me to keep kind of keep it together because you have that adagio piece, and it is uh, emotional. Even it is tough, really emotional. Even the toughest person can't help but to shed some tears. It's like an episode of This Is Us. Yeah. I mean, you see him, and then you see. Him in the Taylor in the in the helicopter, you know, saluting Raw when he yeah. Raw's on the on the hill with his uh, his the staff, staff yeah. yeah, and he's giving him the like chest pump, the yeah. chest pump salute, yeah, yeah, and and he gives that ending monologue, which I think is just brilliant. Which they also incorporated in the Adagio for strings portion in the soundtrack, the CD soundtrack that I have. They did like two versions of Adagio for strings at the beginning of the soundtrack and at the end and that one the one at the end incorporates taylor's monologue yeah and uh, i'll just i'll just say a little excerpt from it here it's like i think now looking back we did not fight the enemy we fought ourselves and the enemy was it was in us the war is over for me now but it'll always be there for the rest of my days that part always that's so crucial as as a, i'm sure elias will be fighting with barnes for what raw called possession of my soul you know yeah. it, this is this uh the writing, writing the writing from stone is just incredible here it's it's super deep and um that last part here be that as it may those of us who made it out made it out have an obligation to build again to teach others what we know and try to try with what's left of our lives to feel, find goodness, goodness and meaning, meaning to, to this, this life. life yeah that part and then they just you have the light the light taylor's like he's like his backdrop is in the light and then it finally goes to white and then the caption is dedicated to the men who fought and died in the Vietnam War. Yeah, and I, it's really a tribute. And I, I think a lot of people don't really know uh, a lot of stuff that happened in that war, you know? Now they don't. <sighs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of a shame. But this movie, and this is why I love Stone so much, is because he brings in these pieces. Of like different sides his... of it, really. Not just the war itself, but it's after effects. Yeah. And really, not just on not just on American soldiers, but everybody. Yeah, and you know he's what, and I think what he's trying to say is that you know we shouldn't make the same mistakes again. 
You know, right. we you have that saying history repeats itself, unfortunately. But what he's trying to say, what he's trying to do, is is teach us, try to teach us a lesson here. We, sh- we, sh- right. we should not, we should not get engaged with with, with this unnecessary wars. Man, that's the point he's trying to make. Express, especially with the sequel film to this. Well, the spiritual sequel to this, Born on the Fourth of July, with Tom Cruise's character, how he ends up in a wheelchair after yeah. his time in war. That's that's another tough. That's a tough movie to get through, but a, a extremely powerful piece by Oliver Stone. And I think he dives a little bit deeper into the social aspects of the Vietnam War. Yes, so he the does. Class war and and uh, was less of a democratic war um, as opposed to like uh, as opposed to World War II, which was more of a, a democratic war and less of a class less war. Of a class war, yeah. So uh, it's it's really a history lesson, but a, a a life lesson as well. We shouldn't get involved in unnecessary war because the cost is humongous. Like like the tagline of the film says, the first casualty of war is innocence. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. So I think we really have to, as a society, think twice before we before we uh, engage in, in war. Yeah, think of the consequences, social, physical. Yeah. And I think what Stone was trying to say at the end of the the film was, you know, the enemy is within us, you know? Right, yeah. Because they spent more time fighting each... In the film, you see it exactly like they spent more time fighting each other. Yeah, than actually fighting the NBA. The enemy, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it's also interesting here, Stone has included some other music on on the the soundtrack soundtrack that that actually... Weren't weren't in the film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Otis Redding, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. And these are are songs that were hits around the... Around that time. Around the 60s. This one, um, you know, was a blues song. And and Stone had mentioned that he had heard a lot of Motown and blues when he was in uh, Vietnam, especially uh, a reference to that scene in the beginning of the film where he's, he's in the bunker with the heads and he's hearing... Jefferson airplane, airplane. he's hearing, uh, you know, Smokey Robinson. Robinson. So, uh, we also have Aretha Franklin here, respect, which was a pretty, I would say, uh, controversial song because of the, of the time, the time period, the sixties were a very tumultuous time in terms of, uh, social politics, civil rights, uh, Vietnam war. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on and, uh, it was just kind of crazy, but this song, it, you know the lyrics re- reflect those the racial tension um, and the tor- turmoil, and I think that was a that was a good song to include there because it kind of gives it gives the uh, the audience some context, some more context, I guess, and into what was going on at that time period. Yeah, like completing the musical cipher for what was for like 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 showing like what was reflected in that era, you know. Yeah, and then the, the next song he included was The Doors, Hello, I Love You. This song and the Aretha Franklin song, Respect, both of these were also included during the Vietnam War scenes in Forrest Gump, which came out seven years later. Yeah, um, and then Stone, you know, I mentioned Stone had discovered The Doors when he was in Vietnam, and they would go on to make that, that film in 1991 with, uh, actually with Val, Val, Val Kilmer, Kilmer and Kevin Dillon was actually uh, uh, oh, yeah, in that Dillon film as well. He? Yeah, he was, yeah. Stone would go on to include a lot of the same actors uh, in some of his uh, films down the road. Uh, the Doors being one of them, you know, Kevin Dillon being in that film. Uh, and then um, I forget the other guy who played. Uh, he was in the Born of the Fourth of July. Um, he was his friend, Tom Cruise's friend. Um, he's got he's got black hair. I'm trying to remember. He, 
He was in JFK too. Oh, I can't. Think I can't remember his name. He's got a very distinct face though. Um, I think he played the organ player in The Doors. Um, can't think of it right. I now. can't think of it. Right I'm now. blanking it, but blanking on it. But he uses multiple actors though. Definitely, he used Sheen twice for Platoon, and then Wall Street a year later. Yeah, yeah. McGinley was in that. Too. McGinley was in that too. Yeah, McGinley. He's a he's a John real. C. McGinley. Ol- he's a real Oliver Stone. Freeman Oliver Stone. He was in Any Given Sunday. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I didn't think. I forgot about that. Uh, McGinley in this film played Sergeant O'Neill, who just the despised character. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's really cool. It's yeah. really cool how Stone does that. He includes a lot of the guys that he's worked with previously, and a lot of the guys in Platoon. Really, this was star. This is a star-making vehicle for most of them. Really, yeah. Johnny Depp being that was like a real. I think one of his early breakout films. I, mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call it a breakout film, but his early film. One of his. In. One of his earliest films. I mean, his breakout role was was Twenty One Jump Street, really, which he hated. Yeah, but what's it called? His first film that he did was Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. Okay, yeah. Forrest Whitaker was in this. Forrest Whitaker, yeah. Who was who's in that Biggie film that we talked about? Who won an Oscar since then? Yeah. Uh, Corey Glover, the lead singer from Living Color, he was in. He played Francis. Yep. The Candyman, Tony Todd. Yeah. <laughs> then Francisco Quinn, who's Anthony Quinn's Anthony uh, son. Quinn's son. Yeah. Both of whom are deceased now. I mean, they rest in peace. Did Did Francisco Quinn do anything like you know after that film? After Platoon. Yeah. The last thing he did before he died was one of the voices in the third Transformers movie in 2011. Okay. That was his final film role. And then you have Tom Berenger, who did a, just a phenomenal acting job as a, a Staff Sergeant Bob Barnes. He was uh, nominated for an Academy Award as Best Supporting Actor. Him and Willem Dafoe for Dafoe's role as Sergeant Elias. They were both nominated for Best Supporting Actor that night. Yeah. Neither one, though, but... Phenomenal performances. But they did good. It was, it was like I said, it was a star-making vehicle for all of them. I thought it was... It has to be one of Berenger's top performances i mean it is it is i mean most a lot of people know him who i grew up around know him from playing in the substitute okay right yeah, yeah i remember that movie <laughs> i'm like yeah i remember that movie too which i liked which was dope it was like dude you ain't seen him in platoon have you yeah i i really lo- liked him in the major league films like I, those were i thought those were hysterically funny i don't yeah, he I don't know a, about you, but <laughs> he had a he, oh, him and Sheen was in that too. Yeah, yeah, Charlie like, Sheen. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Six Degrees of Separation and another. Here's another one: Keith David and Sheen and Men at Work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what y'all did after Vietnam, because his character, Keith David's character, was a Vietnam War vet. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Did not know that. Um, so yeah, you know, and then you have a, a few more songs: The Rascals Groove, in, which I really like. That's one of my favorites. Um, I always remember hearing that when my dad would play the the platoon soundtrack, and I was yeah. like, I, I really, really dug that song. And then Percy Sledge, uh, "When a Man Loves a Woman." I, I think was, I was only familiar with the Michael Bolton version growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this version was better. Yeah, yeah this version definitely better. Uh, not a huge fan of Michael Bolton. But... Me neither, especially after Office Space. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a great soundtrack, um, and it, it, you know. I, I definitely want to, I have to do a, more of a, a deeper dive into Stone's films because he's done so many great ones. Like, uh, haven't, haven't finished, um, what's that? Uh, Natural Born Killers, but that one looked pretty cool. Did you see Savages? No, I didn't see that. That was a good one. I saw that on a whim back in the summer of 2012, only because I saw that Benicio Del Toro was in it and Selma Hayek. Okay. So I was like, okay, let me see what this is about. And it's like, okay, this is this is actually this is action packed that makes a good point about Mar- America's marijuana policies. And then it's like written and directed by Oliver Stone. It's like, what? 
I heard nothing by Stone in a minute since W. Did you know that he wrote Scarface? Yes, I did. Yeah, he must have been he must have been snorting coke while he was writing Scarface. <laughs> I don't know. It's, he, he's the, I, you know he's one of those great writer directors. You know, yeah, Which, can, it's rare. It's rare. Like Quentin Tarantino is another Tarantino's great one. writer director. He's one. Ryan Coogler. He's now one officially. I think he's part of that club. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't get a chance to see Snowden. I wanted to see it. Uh, did you get a chance to see it? or One with, uh, what's his face, uh, J- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where he played the character. Mm-hmm. I only saw part of it, the end of it, really. Okay. And see the whole thing. Did you ever see W? or? Yeah, I saw W in the theaters, yeah. I, I want to see that. I never, And I want to see Nixon. That looked like it was pretty good, too, as well. JFK. Have JFK you ever seen was that? good. Yeah, I have JFK on Blu-ray. I love that movie, man. It's it's so well done and an all star cast like Joe, Joe Pesci, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Kevin Costner, like Jack Nicholson, John yeah. Candy. <laughs> he got everybody up in it. Yeah, he had everybody in a movie, but it was uh, I think it's definitely up there and it's one of his best films ever. You yeah, know? him and him and Michael Mann they have a tendency for getting all star casts. Yeah, and they're uh, even people that become breakout stars later, like Michael Mann, for example, in which for Ali, yeah, he got like all the top black actors up in that. He had Jamie Foxx, he had Will, Will Smith, Smith, he had uh, Mattel, uh, with Mattel Michael P- T. Williamson. Yeah, My- Michael T. Williamson. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, good God, Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, Mario Van Peebles played Malcolm X, right? Yeah, uh, Paul Rodriguez, John Voight. John Voight, actually. Ron Silver. I, who I think won, John Voight won an Academy Award for that film, right? No, he was not named Best Supporting Actor, him and not- Smith. Wow, he should have won that for, he for Howard, Howard Cosell. He was good. He was unrecognizable as Cosell. It sounded just like him, too. Yeah. And the way him and Smith played off each other is like, that's, that's how Ali's relationship was with Cosell in real life. Yeah. And a great soundtrack, too, which we'll have to we'll have to cover. Oh, that soundtrack was dope, man. I mean, my father, when I was in school, he had me find it for him and send it to him in the mail. Yeah. Yeah, but then I was so glad I had to buy my own. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to cover that one. Um, hey man, I really appreciate you being here for this episode. I appreciate uh, had it. a lot of fun again as always, and we'll have to we'll have to do it again. Oh, we will do it again. All, All right, right, man. I'm Take no care. Doubt. No doubt. This podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, Google Music, Stitcher. So if you don't mind, please leave a review and give me some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm also on Untapped. My username is Brutuned. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers. Cheers.